BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Eileen Kelly, and I'm the host of Going Mental. After struggling with these incredible highs of a booming career and then the unbelievable lows of losing my mental health, I voluntarily admitted myself to a psychiatric hospital. I ended up staying over five months learning not only how to better manage my symptoms, but also just get my life back on track. So I'm here to say that no matter where you are, you're not alone. On my show, Going Mental, I'm going to be talking to guests about their own mental health journeys, as well as talking to professionals. New episodes every Thursday, and you can find Going Mental on Dear Media anywhere you listen to podcasts. Going Mental all of the time. Hey guys, this is Note to Self, and I'm your host, Peyton Sarton. From Q&As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives, and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, so I'm sitting here with Lindsay Carter. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. You're so welcome. I'm so excited. We were just talking about how her whole creative team is out of town right now, and she's just like twiddling her thumbs trying to like (laughs) find things to do. I'm getting work done, but it's hard when, you know, my basically I would say 95% of the creative team is in Miami shooting for Mm -hmm. our campaign that's dropping for Miami. Yeah, yeah. And they're usually what all my meetings are because our brand director and I meet so much about like 2023 and product and colors and what's coming and what we're naming collections. And it's just like so much. So Mm -hmm. when she's not here and she like has to be on location, I'm like, okay, so now what? Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you're definitely more on the creative side. Like I feel, you know, everything, obviously you are like top dog, but I feel like what you've talked about on your own podcast the most is your love for the creative yeah. part of it. So I'm sure when everyone's gone, you're like, where's my, where are my guys at? Where's my besties? I always try to like come up with another idea of like what we can do. When I was sitting in my office alone today, I mm-hmm. was like, I can't just sit here and do nothing all week. Not not nothing. I mean, yeah. like this means I'm putting off lawyer calls. I'm not going through budgets with mm-hmm. Ali. Like that's the stuff I like procrastinate. Yeah. But I was sitting in my office and I was like, okay, I have to come up with something. Like what if I did, you know how Taylor Swift does secret sessions? Like when she like invites... I think it's like a hundred listeners to her house and they have to like put their... I had no idea that happened. Oh my God. So she, I think they're called Secret Sessions with Taylor Swift. I'm not exactly sure the name of it, but she like invites all these listeners to her house. They have to, they don't know where they're going. They just know they're going to see Taylor Swift for something Mm -hmm. and it's done by her team. They have no idea what it is. They get to the location they have to put their phones in a basket and they realize that they're at Taylor Swift's house and they get to pre-listen to the album with Taylor Swift herself and like talk about the album before it comes out. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what if we did like a version of that was set where like we take our top customers in LA and Mm -hmm. some can join via Zoom and we show them the new collection, tell them what's coming, have their input. And I was like sitting there and then I was like, this could be crazy. And I was like, and I run into Ali's (laughs) office and she's like, we need to settle down. We do everyone not have relax. the bandwidth. Everyone <laughs> relax. Like you're, every, you're like, everyone's, yeah, you're, I am very much that type of person. And we'll get into that in a second where I need to learn how to have other people do the work I don't want to do because yeah. I will procrastinate that. Hire for your my, weakness. Yeah. It's really difficult. In my normal life, I will say my boyfriend now does all of the stuff that I don't want to do. And I'm a procrastinator. And what I love about him the most is he's like, let's say he needs to get home insurance. That's something I'd like put on the back burner and have yeah. my to-do list for two weeks. And he is like, oh, I need home insurance. 
Done. Opens up the laptop and starts doing it. I'm like, what the, <laughs> what the hell's going on? <laughs> so I'm like, I need to hire a him, yes. you know, in my work life. Everyone needs that. But thank you so much for being here. It's so pregnant. Oh, I, I would know. be exhausted. <laughs> I am exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm not even pregnant. I, so. Just before I, like, we came here, my my best friend, she works down the street. She's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And we, like, our buildings are on the same street. And she came to say hi. And Jake came into my office. And she, he was like, we have to go. We have to go record. I was like, oh no. And I texted her and I was like, I'm sorry I haven't put any effort into like hanging mm-hmm. out. Like I'm just so tired. And <laughs> I mean, she's the best. She was like, I totally understand. Like I know yeah. you've been taking it easy, but I am very exhausted. I mean, you're taking it easy is like most people's, I mean, <laughs> busiest day of their fucking life. <laughs> so that's wild. I was built and born this way though. Yeah, like yeah. if I'm bored, it's going to be a disaster for yeah. everyone. I get a lot of anxiety if I get bored. Yeah. I will start something new. That's my favorite thing to do is start something. Uh-huh. Maybe not necessarily finish that thing, yeah. but starting those <laughs> things are my favorite thing. Yes. Because <laughs> it sounds good in the moment. Agree. Okay. So speaking of that, let's talk about how you started Set Active. Okay. I and mean, you can give us a brief summary because you've done a whole episode on this. Go go listen to that on Ready, Set, Spill. But I want to just give us a little brief summary of what your timeline was like, kind of what your inspiration was. Well, after I graduated college in 2013, I basically just took every corporate job you could think of. I worked at NBC Universal. I worked at Variety Magazine. And I was like landing all these dream jobs and that people would kill for. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't keep the job longer than eight months. I was like so bored every okay. day like crying. I was like, I cannot do this every single day for the rest of my life. It just wasn't for me. It's for some people. It wasn't for me. So I fell in love at NBC Universal with social media marketing because Mm -hmm. at the time, no one was really like using it to market product. People were on it and Mm -hmm. people were getting like famous or known for something, but not to the extent of where it is now or where it was and when Five was this? Ago. Yeah. Like 2013, 2014-ish. Okay. Right, like cool. it was back when like people were probably still using Instagram filters that were built into the app. Yeah. That's probably that era, okay. I think. And I was like at work and because I was so bored, my three bosses who were executive producers, I would like say, and I'm like, we really should be utilizing these people on social media and these brands and like bringing their stories to life on social media. And like, there's so much to say and it doesn't always have to be like, you know, through a newspaper or magazine or like, yeah. Yeah. And everyone kind of just looked at me like I was crazy. So I kind of like made it my own little hobby to mm-hmm. in like, dive into social media and how I can market things on social media. Yeah. So you're a marketer at heart. Yeah. That's who you are. But I didn't know that. Like, yeah. I would watch movies, you know, rom-coms of the girls being like, I work in marketing. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, do they like come up with the ads on billboards? Like, I didn't know what marketing actually meant. Mm-hmm. You were just accidentally kind of doing it without even realizing. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to put on the back burner. I would pitch ideas all the time. And then I pitched a show called Growing Up Wildflower, and it was about the Carlson sisters and wildflower cases way mm-hmm. back then who they they ended up becoming like family to me. Mm-hmm. But the like top dog at NBC Universal liked the pitch so much that we did a sizzle reel for it. Okay. And it was based off social media and like how they market their brand on social media. Because those are like social media stars. Yeah. I mean, they've been around for 10 years and that's yeah. how it started was through Twitter. Mm-hmm. So... That's when I was like, this is what I love doing. But it didn't come to fruition, I would say, for a couple years later because I didn't know that you could make a career out of it. And then fast forward a couple years, I like had my job at Variety Magazine in marketing and then did trend forecasting for a smaller company. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own social media company. I ran the social media account for the Ziegler sisters, Maddie mm-hmm. Ziegler and Kenzie Ziegler yeah. from Dance Moms. And then I started taking on brands and other like celebrities and influencers and helping them with strategy. Mm-hmm. So that's where like everything kind of started. I was making like, I remember at one point I was making over 30 
K a month doing that from different clients and signing different contracts. And this is like how long ago, like you said, that at this point, maybe five years? Six years ago. Six years ago, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it was crazy. It was like the mm-hmm. most money I'd ever seen at that time. Like I was making, I think like $46,000 at NBC Universal, like yeah, yeah. salary. <laughs> and now I'm making just under that a yeah. month, like running my own agency. But that was hard. That was Mm -hmm. really hard, like to sign clients and like have contracts start and end or if they're going to continue, like the unknown of that gave me too much anxiety Mm -hmm. and a service based business. Like there's a ceiling you can't. Well, in that type of service based business, there's there's a ceiling, you know, Mm -hmm. so meaning like it can only go so far. You have to hire people. They may not do things the way that you do them. Mm -hmm. And then it gets messy. It's like a whole thing. Okay, so. Basically, I shut that company down and I was like, you know what? I want to stop giving my ideas to other people and doing it for them and watching them make all this money from it. So I'm going to like start my own thing and start my own brand and put my marketing mind Mm -hmm. to the test, kind of. Okay. Not to the test. Like I didn't really... I didn't have a backup plan. I was like, I'm doing this. It's going to (laughs) work. But now I really get to see like my ideas get executed. Yeah. So that's how Set was born. So have you always been so independent or like were you more, let's say when you were younger? Uh For me personally, I never enjoyed someone else telling me what to do. Uh Like I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to make all the mistakes. Like even if I went awry as a child, I was like, my mom's not telling me that I'm dressing this way. My mom's not telling me this. My dad's not telling me this. And my parents were like, you're going to either be a lawyer because you're so insane or you're going to like own your own business. Yeah. And have you been that way since you were young or have you just been just a more creative type, I guess? Um, So it's interesting. I was also that way growing up. I'll never forget in the fourth grade, there was like some assignment where you were assigned a partner Mm -hmm. and basically like I had to write like a whole bio on this person and then the parents would come in and they'd have to guess who that was about. And the guy who wrote about me said that like I was combative and like I argued a lot and I had a lot to say and Mm -hmm. I remember being so angry and it it was like she's probably going to be a lawyer one day and it's like I was always the black sheep of my family I I have three other siblings and I was always one testing my parents like all the time but I didn't know that I was creative Mm -hmm. until way later in life I always thought I was like book smart I got good grades in school somewhat like Mm -hmm. I was smart in math and certain subjects than horrible in other subjects. So Mm -hmm. I had a pretty average GPA, but I just like never tapped into the creative side of my mind. And I didn't realize I was creative until way later in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I would say probably when I started in marketing. Yeah. Like like actually flexing the muscle though. Yeah. Because I think sometimes, I mean, I grew up in a, in a house where my dad was a aerospace engineer and he ended up being a fighter pilot. And then my grandpa was a petroleum engineer. And that's kind of like the two careers that brought me through life. Like my mom and my grandma didn't work. So like everything was so serious. So we were told for so long, like a creative endeavor, like my parents would be like, you're creative, but a creative endeavor is not what's going to make you any money. So I think that's why I focused on other things sometimes. And that's yeah. why law was really like appealing, I think. Yeah. Because it's somewhat of a create, like there's creativity in there somewhere. Totally. But it's cool. It's been nice to have social media open up doors for people like us to be both kind of serious yeah. and like type A, but like flex a creative muscle as well. It's also so interesting the type of creative that you can be. Like mm-hmm. I could never, like I get this question a lot on my personal Instagram and I like the answer is just always going to be no because I just don't have I don't know how to do it, but they're Uh like, can you save a highlight to your Instagram of all your like product recs that you keep posting? And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, no, no. Listen, (laughs) listen carefully. I am not an influencer. I don't know how to do that. Like, I'll tell you guys what I like and what works for me. Mm -hmm. But like the linking and the cool content, like that is so creative. And that is something I don't know how to do. I don't even know how to make a like visually appealing Instagram story. So I'm an influencer and I, I think I'm relatively creative, but I have friends who are incredibly creative at this. I guess you can influence really anything. You kind of are an influencer. If you okay, accidentally if to, became one. If yeah. you're getting to the definition of an influencer, which is like the ability to influence. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sure I've influenced people to buy things based off of like my organic love for a product yeah, or yeah. a person or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. 
But my intention every day isn't to go on Instagram and, and to influence. influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think I'll ever have the creative like that part of my brain unlocked. I'd love to be one. Like that's yeah. so fun to like create content <laughs> and post. And I mean, it's a hard job for sure. Like I couldn't edit. I tried vlogging for a little bit, yeah, but yeah. I had my best friend edit the vlogs. Like if you opened iMovie, I don't even know where you edit these things. Yeah. I would have an aneurysm. I'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> I'm running for the hills. I can't do well, this. Well, I feel like it's a lot. It's like self-taught. Yeah. You don't learn that stuff in school. I was a poli-sci major and a sociology minor in college. So that's my degree is in. I'm not. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be doing this. But you kind of have to teach yourself. But similar with business. I don't know what your background was in like college. Kindergarten it, teacher. <laughs> okay. Literally. Yeah. Went to school to so be a you teacher. So you weren't in business school or anything like no. that. So like let's say you you started set and you, you started from the ground up, yeah. right? I listened to your podcast about starting it, about kind of teasing it out on your own social media. And it was very organic and very community driven. And then you were, you know, doing the things like packaging orders yourself and all those things. You'll need to go listen to that episode. It's really good. It lays a lot of really good groundwork. Okay. So let's say you are coming out of college right now. Okay. And you don't know what you want to do. You know who you are a little bit. You're like, I'm independent. A lot of girls want to be their own boss nowadays because there's so many women out there being their own boss. There's a lot of great role models. What would you do to kind of find what you're passionate about in order to be your own boss at some point in the near future? Okay. So I feel like my answer always kind of changes when I get asked something like this right now, currently, and I don't think I've ever answered it like this before. If you're in college, like, first of all, college isn't for everyone. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you don't have to go to college. I think college is an amazing experience, even Mm -hmm. if you don't end up doing what you go to do. It's an experience that not a lot of people get to experience, Mm -hmm. and I recommend it to everybody, first and foremost. So this is not a don't go to college situation. Yeah, well, I learned what I didn't want to do in college, and I feel like we're about to start talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. If I were to do things differently, you know, I think when I went to orientation, I went to the University of Arizona, and I'll never forget that when I went to orientation, like everyone kind of already knew what their degree was. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to my stepmom, who's now not my stepmom at the time or Mm -hmm. now anymore, but she was there with me. And I remember saying to her, like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. Like, how come everyone knows what they want to do? And she's like, I don't know. Like, here's, they give you a list and you kind of like pick out what seems interesting. That freaked me out as well. Like I looked at a list and they were like, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, these are my, these are the options. But what I didn't know is that you didn't have to choose right then and there. Mm -hmm. So your first two years of college are all gen ed. Like you take, of course you like can take prerequisites for your major, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty much general classes. And what I wish I would have done is marked myself as undecided Mm -hmm. and what you can do. Okay. And take all the classes, take business, take education, take communications, like try everything because if I would have just, ta- I'm sure if I would have taken business classes, I would have gone to the Eller School for Business because I was so, like, they get to do so many case studies. Some of the people at the Eller School, which is the business school at U of A, mm-hmm. part of their case study is coming up with a business. And so many of the students end up doing that as their business because yeah. it, like, laid the groundwork for it. But I would say if you're unsure, do undecided, take as many classes as possible and start trying to like go home and reflect. Be like, Mm -hmm. I loved this class today. It doesn't feel like class. It doesn't feel like I'm going to school. It doesn't feel like homework, you know? And those are the classes that are probably what aligns with your interests. Yeah. Of course, college might not be for everyone. Or you might go to college because you know you want to be a doctor. You know Mm -hmm. you want to be a lawyer. You know you want to be an engineer and you have to take certain classes for that. So... I think you just like need to ask yourself, do you have a defined route you want to take mm-hmm. for what you want to do? But also there's no rules of like when you want to start something and how and when you want to do it. Okay. I started my business. Well, I started set five years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was 26. That's way after college. I yeah. mean, some people even start businesses at 40. Yeah. So I think people just need to like remove the rules, remove the pressure and Go to the beat of their own drum because it's your life that you have to live, not Mm -hmm. anyone else's. And people are going to give their opinions, your parents, your friends, but you have to stay true to who you are and what you want to do. And I feel like everything else will fall into place as long as you do that. Which is honestly really hard to know when you're in college. Of like, course. I declared my major that when I was applying to Texas A&M, I went to a big state school too, and I was 
I was like, I think I want to do this. I, I've been told I'd be a good lawyer, so I'll, I'll just do this, you know, pre-law track, basically. And it was great for me and that I learned a lot. And now I know a lot about politics and I know a lot about like, you know, government and things like that, which is cool to live in D.C. right now. Yeah, do. I'm sure. But I... But did you hear yourself when you first said that sentence? You said, I was told I would yeah, be I was good at say, this. I, I, it was all external. But me at 18, I also didn't know anything about myself. Yeah. I lived in a place that was very different from Los Angeles. I was told that this was good and this was bad and this was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it took me leaving that place, going to college. And I didn't realize what I wanted to do until after college. Yeah. I was kind of in the middle of college and then after. So what would you say to someone, like, let's say, Someone like me. Okay. I just graduated as a political science major. I have a minor in sociology and I'm like, I'm not going to law school. Would you say go out and get job experience first? Like maybe like you said, what you did was kind of work in a couple of different roles and learn what you were good at in the workplace. Or would you say be more independent and start something like immediately that you think you want to work on and just kind of roll with it? I think if you came to me for advice during Mm -hmm. that time, I would tell you if you already knew what you wanted to do, I would say do that. Like if you're like, Mm -hmm. I want to be a creator, I want to do this or I want to do that. The only reason why I got my job at NBC Universal was because of the name. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be great. I still had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It was, I would say because I was so bored at my job, that's why I fell in love with social media because I was nonstop playing on it. Yeah. yeah. In the time that I had nothing to do at my, at my, job every single day. Mm -hmm. And this is like a very corporate job. I'm talking like I had to be in the office before my boss and I always had to be the last to leave. And if that meant 8 to 10 p.m., I was there from 8 to 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of hours sitting at my desk just being like, and they didn't have that much work for me either. Mm -hmm. So I was just sitting there like doing your own thing. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) what do I do? But no, I mean, if you you know what you want to do, then go for it. Mm -hmm. Everyone is just so scared of failing. And I feel like if you just, I say this a lot, but if you shift your mindset on the word failure and like see it as a positive thing, Mm -hmm. so many more doors open up. Well, it's just like you said, after your experience in corporate world, you switched to more marketing stuff and then you created your own agency and you you had to shut that down because it wasn't your thing. Yeah, That's not necessarily, when you look back on it now, it's not really, it is a failure, but it's not really because it contributed so much to what you're doing now, which is a huge success. Yeah. It was a huge stepping stone to what I'm doing now. I probably wouldn't be able to do set without having started that. Yeah. And seeing the back end of Mm -hmm. things. I feel like starting what I do now, I wish I would have maybe worked in marketing a little bit more rather than I just became a blogger right out of college. I left A&M. I graduated and I was like, mom and dad, not going to law school. (laughs) I'm jumping out to LA. I'm going to try this. But I wish I would have taken more jobs or internships or something and just gotten more experience and even for like a networking value yeah. in the L.A. space, mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been great. But I think also what I'm getting it from you is like kind of picture your career as like a I've heard this quote a million times and I've said it a million times like a jungle gym rather than a ladder. It doesn't need to be linear. Yeah. You don't need to be building on the first thing. You can kind of jump around and figure out what you like. And from each role, you kind of take a, a little bit of advice from people above you and things like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, if I think back to like my jungle gym pathway Mm -hmm. from graduating college to now, my base has always stayed the same as like being obsessed with marketing and how to like bring a story to life. Mm -hmm. But what story I was bringing to life was always different. And I think that's the like common denominator. It's like a fraction not to get like all like educational but like it's you know make sure that common denominator is staying the same because then the passion will never die. Like I'm five years into set active and I still hate the weekends, love the week because I love going to work. I Mm -hmm. love waking up even on the hard days. And I never understood the people that were like, love your job and you'll never work a day in your life. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you sound like my grandma. But like, it's true. Mm -hmm. Like if you love what you do, it'll never feel like work. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's like I have really stressful days where production doesn't work out or like we had to cancel our whole month of August for Mm -hmm. what we were doing because production screwed us. And that sucks, of course. But every single day I wake up and I like cannot wait to hear my like door beep because my house does that. And it's Jake coming to get the day started. Yeah, yeah. And then we go to the office and I'm like, let's go, Leo. Mm -hmm. That's my dog. And I get so excited. Yeah. So I think one thing, so the listeners of Note to Self, which Uh I've noticed recently, are very much 18 to 24. So they're very much like starting their life. And I feel like when I think back to me at 24, I'm 
28 now, so it hasn't been that long, but the amount of perspective I've gotten on what I like and what I enjoy at this age versus 18, let's say it takes a little time to go into the world and be in the world, learn the things, do weird jobs that you like, that you don't like, do the major you maybe you wanted and then you didn't want. And now when I look back, similar to you, you're like, I could tell you I always loved marketing and excelled at narrative, but I, maybe you don't realize that. Yeah when it's happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? That makes sense. So I feel like one thing I was always told when I was younger, go to, you know, if you're drawn to something that you're doing for fun, that's what you should make your job. And when I was, you know, 18, another thing everyone also said was like some of the jobs that you're going to have at my, gra- like my graduation, some of the jobs you're going to have, I would say 60% of them aren't created yet. And all of us were like, oh yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Like, sure. This was in 2012. Yeah. And we, you know, by the time I was even three years into college, there, there were jobs that I had never even heard of in my life and I was pursuing one of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like allowing yourself grace to go into the world and try new things is really important. If you hate your job, like you were saying, you hate your job, switch. I, go yeah. do something different. I was just going to say, there's no rule book. Like if yeah. you get a job, let's say you get hired at Target and you're one week in, two weeks in, and you're mm-hmm. like, fuck this place. Mm-hmm. Like I hate it. You can leave. Yeah. Leave. Don't stay. You're allowed. You're allowed. <laughs> that, that's what like I've noticed. I'm 31 and I know I still have so much to live, mm-hmm. like so much life to live. But what I've noticed is like you can create your own rule book. You mm-hmm. know, I've been attacked on Reddit, on Instagram, on social media that like sh- Lindsay's not a typical CEO. She's mean and she's opinionated and she's this. And it's like, are you writing the rule book on how to be CEO? Like, mm-hmm. have you run a multi-million dollar company where you can sit behind a computer and tell me how to do my yeah. job? It's your own life. Everyone so, has like, an opinion anyway. So no matter what. And if you're not hated and like some people aren't making opinions about you, then you're not great. So well, you're also not saying anything interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like as an influencer, especially with everything going on in the world, it's really easy to feel like you're walking at eggshells and you need to be silent about things or you just don't want to stir up chaos. You don't want to hurt anybody. But then it it drove me into this place of I wasn't sharing anything interesting for a little while because I was just so like a robot. Like yeah. I was afraid to offend. And I got to the point where like it wasn't even like political or anything like actually on edge. It was just like anything I was saying I was nervous to put out. And yeah. I have totally taken, you know, that whole part of my mind completely like out. And I, I kind of just do things based on how, what I'm feeling and like what I feel like I'm connecting with online, which has been great. But people will always be there to tell you what you need to be doing. Yes. And I think, again, you can live a little and figure out what you want to do. But I love that you say there's no rule book and you're creating it kind of as you go. Yeah, But for yourself. For yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you can you can do anything. We do have autonomy. We do have freedom. Yeah. And judgment kind of keeps people in a little bit of a prison. I feel it too. Yeah. But I feel like once you break out of it, you you can kind of be free to do whatever you want. Totally. I mean, I was scrappling with the fact. So one of my friends, she owns Stony Clover, Mm -hmm. which I love that brand. I love it too. It's like my whole life. My Mm -hmm. whole life is organized by their pouches. Yeah. yeah. But she did a question series. I think it was yesterday on her Instagram and someone asked like, why are you private? And she was like, because boundaries. Like, yeah. I personally want to post without double thinking. Was that okay for me to post? And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, should I go private? And I was like, no. Like, yes, I want boundaries, but I hold boundaries differently. And that's the thing is everyone can have their own rules of boundaries. Like, yeah. for me, if someone's going to be negative and rude or if I sense attitude by a comment on my live or over DM or on comments, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to block you. Yeah, I don't care. I don't need you following me. Why mm-hmm. are you following me in the first place if you're going to be mean or rude? Like, yeah. I'm not going to tolerate that. And that's when I realized I don't want to be private. I like sharing my life and I like being public on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I have my own boundaries. And I think that people can be scared of everyone's opinions, but you just have to make your own boundaries. Yeah. And then follow them. I talked about this with JC actually just this morning. She was like, I don't have any boundaries. I'm like, me neither. I like share way too much. I will say there are boundaries surrounding like my family, my boyfriend, like other people. But for me, I share way too much. Yeah. But how do you deal with someone who's like, disagrees with what you have to say on Instagram or they don't like an outfit that you're posting mm-hmm. or well there's always going to be opinions yeah and we were saying like 90% of the commentary is good 
and we let the 10% or even less Yeah, because it speaks louder. Yeah, it speaks louder. But we were talking about how you need to learn, again, your own boundaries. We've been chatting about that a lot and figuring out what makes you feel comfortable sharing on the internet. I think boundaries is a big just topic in general. I think people, you know, social media got so ugly for so long, like Mm -hmm. in business and like you're not safe on social media. No one is safe. Like there's something to say about everyone and anything. And it's basically a public platform for people to speak. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's just so like it's a part of everyone's conversations right now, especially because I think people are finally being okay with setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like my boundary is blocking people. I don't need that energy. So that's what I was about to come in and say. I feel like it took me being in my late 20s to be okay with myself blocking people on the internet. And it's not always like I'm down for a positive or constructive critique. Yes, of course. You know what I mean? Like if I'm doing something wrong, if I said something offensive, totally come in and tell me what's going on. I will address it. There's a nice way to say it. There is a respectful way to say it. And if you're asking for respect, I do think you should give it. Yeah. And maybe not think that everyone on the internet is like doing something on purpose to be mean to a group of people. Like all all of us just want to be good to each other. I think we're all trying our best. Yeah. So I feel like for a while I was like, damn, I don't want to block people because I don't want to look like I'm trying to block out the hate or trying to avoid a subject and something I did wrong, actually. So it caused me a lot of like, internal strife being like, am I a bad person? Why didn't I know this? Why don't I know everything? Shouldn't I know everything before I'm posting stuff? Like, and again, it hindered me a lot. But now I think when I turned 27, everyone says it's kind of like a golden year. I was like, fuck it. This is my home. They're coming into my home and talking shit to me only when it's talking shit. I get some bad stuff. I can. Some like really mean, like, like wanting you to die kind of stuff, you know? And you're like, fuck is going on right now these people are just so insecure they're insane yeah yeah. or jealous or there's like a whole long list there was we next year for set is like really exciting we Mm. have really cool stuff coming I feel like how we're doing next year in terms of the creative and the product for the first time is like something we haven't done before in Mm -hmm. terms of storytelling and why we're doing, you know, normally it's you create product and then you apply a campaign to it. Yeah, yeah. We went backwards this year and we, we planned out campaigns and we're applying product to it. Okay. And brands don't usually do that. Mm -hmm. And I post a lot of BTS on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm known for doing that. And we posted something about like the mood board for the sixties. And it said like described as cheerful and playful. And I was like, we're not talking about, I'm not giving a history lesson on the 60s. Like, first of all, I'm posting BTS. You don't know exactly what I'm talking about here. Mm -hmm. And second of all, we're talking about the color palette being color, like cheerful (laughs) and playful. And this girl like came at me and was like, I'm so like read the room and I'm so tone deaf and this and that, like, because we described the 60s as cheerful and playful. And I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Back up. (laughs) First of all, I'm talking about the color palette yeah. and the products that mm-hmm. we're doing. I'm not giving the history lesson on the 60s. Well, also, no one's following me for the history lesson. Yes. I never said, hey, guys, I'm the historical genius here yeah. of the 1960s. And follow me if you want a clear view on how that, of what yeah. everyone in the world was doing in the 60s. So she she was being rude over DM. And mm-hmm. like the way she was coming at me about it was like not nice. So I blocked her. And then basically on set active, like they posted that I would, I needed feedback on something. So they tagged my Instagram and the girl DM set active. And she was like, well, I just found out I was blocked by Lindsay Carter mm-hmm. and our Instagram team like handled it really well. They're like, we keep these separate. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that happened. If you have feedback, like here's our email, blah, blah. blah. And she was like, I was trying to help you guys. And like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I said out loud, I was like, we weren't asking for help. Like, yeah. <laughs> not once did I say, can someone help me with this? You yeah. know what I mean? And I feel like people just get so butthurt when mm-hmm. they have an opinion and they think they know what's happening behind the scenes. And yes. they absolutely have no idea. Then when they're like kind of proven that they had no idea what they were talking about, they get even more butthurt and like attack harder. We literally just talked about this this morning. Because <laughs> well, I we was can like, talk about something else. I know, no, it's I think it's a good thing to remember because yeah. I think sometimes we were talking about how people are committed to misunderstanding what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. And they want to paint you in a light of like as an influencer or a public figure, they want to paint you in a light of you're dumb or you're mean and yeah. you on purpose wanted to hurt people. Yeah. Or you on purpose want to push a narrative that is really detrimental to certain groups of people. 
And you're just like, I'm doing, again, I'm doing my best. Yeah. And I'm open to pause, like just critiques. Hey, by the way, this offended me in this way. Sure, whatever. I also do find it strange when everyone has an opinion and feels the need to share it with everyone else on the internet. Yeah. When it's not, it wasn't being asked for, like yeah. you said. I, I wasn't asking for it. Yeah. yeah. But the boundaries thing, I definitely have learned to block people. So it's cool that you said that because I feel like some of my younger friends who are getting to social media feel really bad about blocking. Yeah. And I'm like, well, look at your own, like your own purpose with this blocking. Is it because you are offended or embarrassed that you did something wrong? Because maybe that's not a great reason to block something or someone, you know, but maybe if it's someone being like actually mean, like wishing death upon you or speaking you in, to you in a way that's just you're not human, like yeah. you're a piece of trash. Yeah. Maybe that's a time to block somebody. Well, my reason for blocking is you don't get to follow along my fun things that I'm doing or my BTS of like the teasers that I'm posting. Like if you're a set customer or was a set customer yeah. and you're going to be rude to me, the person who founded set, and you're going to judge how I'm doing things, you don't get to follow the fun things I'm posting. Yeah. And that's my reason for, and the like negative energy. And that's why I block because mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't get to do that. Yeah. You don't get to be rude and also see all the cool things that I'm sharing yes. on Instagram. So. Well, it's also bye. your world. You yeah. know what I mean? Like our each of our own little personal pages is our little world and we get to control what goes, you know, out and what comes into it. That's right. I also do feel responsibility for my community. So uh -huh. I'm not going to have people in my comments badgering other people or being like, she's so this or she's yeah. so that. Because of course, then someone who likes you comes to your like, your savior and you're like I didn't ask for this either and then they're attacking that happens a lot too where someone will be like that's rude and this person will be like well I hate you and your mom and your dad and you're the worst and I'm like oh my. so you just have to block sometimes so that's a good thing to say is like boundaries yeah but boundaries and business is different than boundaries on social media mm -hmm. would you say we were talking about this this morning too with spending your time wisely because you would now have one kid already yeah another one on the way you yeah. have a husband you have friends how do you section off time for everybody. Honestly, I wish I had like the rule book for this. It's really difficult. Like something that I'm struggling with right now is maintaining my like social life. I'm exhausted as we started this podcast. Yeah. I am really tired. And I think I've always been that friend or that person where I was the one who was putting in the effort, not in a bad way. Like yeah, I yeah. was the one who was maintaining all my friendships. They were also maintaining them. Yeah. But I was always the one. And I think it stemmed from anxiety because like I never wanted to be like left out or this or that, that mm -hmm. I was the one who always made the plan or was hosting or was booking the trip and getting it organized for everyone. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think after all these years, like I'm 31 yeah. and I've been doing it a long time. I think I just burnt out. Like yeah. I'm, I don't do it anymore. My, I was just telling you my best friend who works down the street came to say hi, stop by the office. I haven't seen her in so long. And her sister, who's also one of my best friends was like, I was just telling Michelle that like, we haven't seen you. And I was, I texted Michelle while we were in the elevator here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry, I haven't reached out. Like I'm always here. I sit at home with my hair in a bun and I watch Love Island every night. Yeah. I just <laughs> do not have the energy to make the plan. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but you're still my best friend and I love you. And she was like, you're still my best friend too. And I know that you've been taking it easy. And I think just communicating okay. with your friends about how you're feeling will now she knows that I don't have the energy to put effort into anything. Yeah, so she's, she's not, probably going to text me to put the effort into it. Yeah, yeah. Because she knows I don't have that mental capacity right now. And she's not like offended. Yeah. Because she knows there's not like a ulterior weird thing that's going on. Or she's on. not assuming that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not reaching out because I'm mad at her or I'm telling her the reason I'm not reaching out yeah. is because I'm simply tired. I'm exhausted. And I think <laughs> that's what it takes. And I've also realized that like at 31 and like going into my 30s, it's honestly about quality, not quantity. Mm -hmm. I think I have like five best friends I can count on my hand. Yeah. And I have friends, like really good friends that I love and I like love spending time with and talking to and sharing secrets with. But I really have made my my circle really small, mm -hmm. especially because I don't have the energy to maintain everything. And also because you don't need to have like five million friends. Yeah. You know? So that's how I am. After getting in a relationship, and especially with his job, I yeah. have just now kind of distanced myself from people that I'm not like, I need you in my life as a friend, yeah. at least. I very, I have very much downsized. And it's kind of sad always to not be like, 
in that zone where you have a bunch of friends and you're doing fun stuff and all of that, but your life just changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's nice that you said it's really difficult to do because some people, I know, I know people who run companies who I've heard speak about this before and they've been like, you just need to over schedule or over plan. Like everyone's booked into a certain slot and it allows them no grace. but They function that way. I'm like, I don't, I can't get it all done. No, there's, there's no literally way. no way. Yeah. I mean, my days start now that I have a son, I mm-hmm. wake up 6, 15, 630. I get him milk. I mm-hmm. grab him and I put him in my bed yeah. and we either play for a while or we'll watch YouTube or whatever it might be. Then I pass him off to the nanny when she gets there. Mm-hmm. It takes a village. Yes, I have nannies. Yeah. Yes, I have housekeepers. I mm-hmm. could not be alive without them. Mm-hmm. And then Jake shows up to the house, my assistant, and we get the day going. And then I leave. We go to work. I come home. I try to get home by five so I can like be at dinner with Ace, mm-hmm. who's my son. And then it's Ace time. And so it's dinner. It's bath time. It's like my only time I get with him because I've been at work all day. Mm-hmm. Like I was just telling Jake, we, I, my AC is broken in my house right now. I don't want to talk about yeah. it. It's horrible <laughs> during the hottest miserable. week ever. And he was like, the tech can only come from five to seven. I was like, well, I can't be present. That is my non-negotiable time with Ace. Yeah, I yeah. have to be with him. And then I put him down and then it's my turn for dinner because mm-hmm. I'm not eating at 4.45. Yeah. <laughs> and then I take a shower. And before you like I had dinner plans every single night of the week, even mm-hmm. with my baby. Okay. I don't recommend. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Don't do that. That was hell. So you tried like the overscheduling. I did. Like I'm going to slot you into this time and this time. You know what I mean? I had a dinner Monday through Friday oh, every so, single night because that was my only time mm-hmm. to see friends. Yeah. And then I stopped. I want to say like three months ago, four months ago, I was just like, I'm done. I'm done with the dinners every night. If you get a dinner with me on the books, you're very special mm-hmm. because I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I like lay. For yeah. me, that's my, I realize what I really like to do in this life is lay in different places. Yeah, so like different I want to lay on the beach or I want to lay on the couch. Or I start I a coffee lay, table book right? that says laying in different places <laughs> that was, that and is, like I take mean, your point of view picture of where you're laying. Yes. Creative <laughs> genius over here. But I told, I told my boyfriend that he was like, well, what do you really want to do with your life? I was like, I want to lay, but I do like my morning work. I do horizontally. (laughs) I want to lay for the rest of my life. When I noticing that about myself was like a key moment of my life being like, this is my dream is to just be around. I feel like you could be huge on be real because it's a lot of laying and (laughs) like showing what's in front of you. And people want to see like, damn, that'd be great. Yeah. Like you could, it's a new avenue. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new avenue. Influencer part two (laughs) on be real. That's amazing. You're welcome for the shout out. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Let's talk about set active Mm -hmm. and kind of your creative brain behind it. Mm -hmm. I know you said before that Set Active is a community-based brand. You've really like sourced a lot from the community. And I know that that's probably a good part of this answer. But is there anything that you think that has made Set Active stand out in, you know, a whole oversaturated market of activewear brands? Yeah. I mean, I think it's storytelling and Mm -hmm. marketing, honestly, because you look at brands and like I totally respect all the other brands out there. But let's look at the big ones like Aloe, Lululemon. Mm -hmm. Fabletics, even like they post a drop or they're like, like Aloe will be like new style drop, new Mm -hmm. color drop. There's not really these like there might be subtle campaigns like they shot all browns in the desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll be like the desert drop, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's no storytelling there. Okay. As a consumer from what I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sally Bob over here could say, yeah, there is a story. Yeah, yeah. It's from my own opinion. Mm -hmm. Let me clarify that. (laughs) With set, I think that like we put an emphasis on everything we do being a story, like whether it's we're coming out with a daily dress. What was the reason for coming out with a daily dress? Why did we create it? Telling that story so that the consumer can follow its like inception Mm -hmm. all the way to where it is now, I think is really important. Like there's purpose behind everything that we do. And that's why I think next year is going to be groundbreaking for us because Although it's the quote unquote wrong way to do it, Mm -hmm. we're creating this story first and then applying the product to it. Yeah. And I think that's what Set does differently just in terms of storytelling. It reminds me of a luxury brand. I feel like luxury brands are really good with narrative and really good with setting and the storytelling. And I've never really seen an activewear brand do it like a really high end luxury brand does. And that's kind of what that reminds me of is kind of thinking of 
you always hear like the you know, top designers are like, this was my inspiration. And they like came up with this piece out of this like entire experience or narrative. Yeah. And that, that's what kind of what y'all are doing, but you're applying it to activewear. Yeah. I, I mean, like. next year. I'm really excited. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for it to like unfold. And then like we can chat at yeah. the end of the year and be like, so what'd you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I also like that y'all's product can be when I was listening to one of your episodes, you were, they were talking about something about set being so creative with narrative. And what I like about it too is that it's very simple, which I hadn't really seen done. You were saying like very easy to get dressed in the morning is kind of what you wanted to do. And it's easy for the person or the customer to style it the way they want and tell their yeah. own story. Exactly. With it. You know what I mean? It yeah. can kind of fall. You can wear it a million different ways. Yeah. Which that's what I really like about set is how simple but oddly revolutionary it is for and it each creates person. like a personality for each person yeah. like I right now especially while I'm pregnant I wear the onesie the sporty mm-hmm. suit every single day and I pair it with like a shacket or a button up and really cute trainers with like socks you know calf yeah. socks or whatever and then when someone comes in wearing a sporty suit with a denim shirt they're like oh you're dressed like Lindsay today mm-hmm. or like Kaylin for example she yeah. always wears biker shorts and an oversized sweater and really cute sandals with it mm-hmm. like that's a very Kaylin outfit so it's it's like fun to create like your set personality with like yeah. this base layer of set being yeah. your outfit i don't that's know awesome. it's fun i love that take on it yeah okay so when you were starting set looking back on your experience for the last 5 years what is one thing you wish you did differently? I probably would have not brought on a partner out mm-hmm. of like fear that I didn't know how to do it on my own. I did bring on a production partner who we, I can't say too much, but we are in the process of like figuring out a mediation for me to have 100% of my company back. Mm-hmm. I do own the majority of the company and I am the controller of the company. So yeah. That was one thing I did right in our operating agreement was making sure I was the decision maker on Mm -hmm. all things. But I gave him a much bigger percentage than I should have because I was just like scared. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. So that's something I would have done differently. And then probably I probably would have brushed up on leadership classes because managing your team is a whole ball game. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know. Being creative at set and coming up with campaigns and stories and products and colors and everything in between is one thing. But managing your employees is a whole other job. And sometimes it takes up my whole day. Yeah. Even um, if you're like a natural leader, I feel like it's a hard job. To, yeah. You know, it's like you step into the role as a natural leader. You're like, okay, I'm the one willing to do it. I'm willing to lead. But I feel like all the tactics and things like that, that's something you kind of have to learn even if you consider totally. yourself a natural. Yeah. And I think I also had to like, grapple with the fact that not everyone's going to like you, mm. you know, like it's That's really hard. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Like not everyone's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to like your leadership style. And like you can't take it personally. And some people are going to be obsessed with you. Mm-hmm. And it's for someone who's like so sensitive and really, you know, wants to make sure other people are doing OK. Like it kind of plays mind tricks on you all the time. But yeah. I would say definitely you know, getting to understand your employees if you're starting a company and like understanding how to hire, making sure you're not hiring out of desperation. Like that is a whole other Different podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's hard for yeah. sure. So I probably would have brushed up on some leadership skills a lot mm-hmm. sooner. And then, OK, so in terms of, you know, kind of running for a production partner because you didn't know what you were doing, what would you have done instead of that just learned yourself yeah I probably okay. should have just showed up to the factories and been like this is what I want to do and just like cut the middleman out he mm-hmm. was essentially a middleman for yeah. me making money off of my marketing and there's a lot of that in the fashion business there's a lot of that which yeah. I also learned and he's I don't wish him bad like he's a good guy he's a family man like mm-hmm. it's just I could do this without yeah. him now. it wasn't good for your business yeah that's and I want to like yeah. You know, reward him for everything he's done up till now, but I don't need him anymore. Yeah. You know, so I probably just would have showed up to the places I was calling around and mm-hmm. had the conversations myself. Granted, I've learned a lot. I mean, like I can now tell you down to the centimeter how much to take off a hemline or the yeah. difference between like a half inch flat or a yeah. full half inch and like all those different things. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. Five yeah, years yeah, ago. yeah. But it goes to show that you can learn it along the way mm-hmm. without having someone have equity in your company. Yeah. And then in terms of leadership, how have you gone about like learning leadership tactics? Like, are you literally taking classes? There's like a masterclass on it. I know there's something like that. Are you doing things like that? Or is it 
like reaching out to people that you know are doing it really well and kind of getting advice? It's kind of all of it. I mm-hmm. think I was a natural born leader, to be honest. Every time at summer camp when it was the ropes course and we had to play that game where like everyone in you know, tangles yeah. their hands and someone has to speak up as the leader to get everyone untangled. Like I was always that person. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think I was born with natural, like the innate ability to lead. Mm-hmm. But I actually took a class at U of A of okay. leadership. Yeah, yeah. And it was my favorite class. And really? It's, yeah. It's a class I feel like I could like close my eyes and like walk you through what the class was every single day because it didn't feel like class, which was what I was telling you. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I was obsessed with it. And then just talking to other CEOs and other entrepreneurs like, hey, like this happened. Like, how would you deal with this? And then I kind of hear them. I'm really, really close with the founders of Mad Happy. Mm -hmm. I just had a call with Payman this morning of like, you know, we want to open up a pop-up at the Rosewood. How do we go about doing that? What's the best conversation to have? How do you hire for that? It's ask questions. Like, you know, ask questions, ask people who are doing things that you want to do. And be a sponge Mm -hmm. and just digest it all. I feel like a lot of that too is networking. Yeah. I feel like you've got a great network. Yeah. So that's a great thing to have. (laughs) Networking is fun. Yeah. But it's exhausting. Exhausting. See, I'm more, I would say I'm introverted most of the time and I can go out and be very social. But then once I'm very social, I need a lot of time to recharge. So the idea of being so social all the time is difficult. And very daunting. It is. And it feels like you're putting on a performance. I like still to this day haven't met some of my like favorite Instagram friends because I'm so nervous and scared that I'm just going to be too tired to talk. That's the story of my life. Yeah. I'm just exhausted all the time. But I'm obsessed with them on social. We talk <laughs> yeah. every day. Like, like we it's say literally lo- nothing personal. I'm just yeah. tired. We say like I love you to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I still haven't met you in person. <laughs> but you are my Instagram best friend. Yes, and yeah. I'm just like I don't want to ruin what we have over mm-hmm. social media because I'm like she's going to think I'm nutso in person. That's my that's the worst thing about being an influencer <laughs> is like people forget that when you're producing content you're sitting there with your camera speaking to your story. You're speaking by yourself to yourself. You're the most comfortable once you've done it for a long time. Yeah. Because I can restart the story if I mess up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the most comfortable I've ever been. So maybe sometimes in like person, you're not as comfortable because you're in a situation that you're you're not in your own house taking stories. I think people forget how simple that is. Yeah. It happens to normal people all the time too or people like networking in their real job that there's so much expectation once you follow someone on the internet yeah that they're going to be exactly the same in person it's also like imposter syndrome too Mm -hmm. I mean one of my best mom friends I'm applying ace to a private school here in LA Mm -hmm. and I like keep telling her I'm like I'm so scared I'm not going to get in she's like you're like the coolest person in LA like you are your own young mom you have a company you're a good friend like you're really cool on social media. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. She's like, yes, you are. It's interesting to hear other people brand you. Yes. Because when you're you, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, wait, <laughs> Didn't I'm really cool? know that. Like, no, I was really branding myself here. Yeah. I'll make fun of myself for being a cool mom. And yeah. she's like, no, you are a cool mom. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's always a joke. It's always a little bit of funny. Yeah. There's some humor there. <laughs> totally. Okay, so I'm so excited to see next year for Set Active. Yeah. Please pimp yourself out. Let everyone know where they can find you on the internet, where they can follow you. If you want to see fun BTS and just me making fun of myself, it's at Lindsay Carter, Lindsay with an E. And you can follow Set at Set Active. And listen to your podcast. And listen. Duh. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> and you can listen to my podcast, Ready, Set, Spill, which I'm about to record with Peyton after this. That'll be a great episode. Yay. Okay. Thank you for coming on. You're so welcome. Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. You can catch a new episode of Note to Self every Thursday. Please, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I always want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review if you have a sec. Follow Note to Self on social for all the behind-the-scenes action and more info about the show at NTS by PS on Instagram and at Note to Self Pod on TikTok. And I'll talk to y'all next week.